Hello and welcome to the Refreshing Change podcast. My name is Nicola Scott and I will be your host. Angie, welcome to the Refreshing Change podcast. Thanks for coming on. Hi Nicola, thanks so much for inviting me. This is really exciting. I've never done anything like this before. Oh, it's, um, yeah, it, I do, do find that first time doing something you once you get into it you'll realize oh could have been doing these for ages I felt like that when I I started it so um thank you so much for coming on now and you and I've known each other for a while and I actually tried to remember when we first met and I think it was a yoga class I think you were teaching and we had a brunch after and I sat next to you I think that's quite a few years ago Mm. now you know I think it's like at least eight seven or eight years Mm. ago so yeah. it's quite a few years now. Yeah. And it was one of those events that I turned up to not really knowing anyone and sat next to you. And it was one of those, uh, what do you call it? Like synchronistic life yeah. moments that I was so yeah. glad I picked that seat and you came into my life. So I'm excited oh, for yeah, that's the lovely. listeners to hear from too. you. Oh, <laughs> good. So um, for the benefits, benefit of the listeners, could you maybe just share a bit about who you are and what you do? Who is Angie? What are you all about? Yeah, so I am Angie. I am 54, I think. (laughs) And I've had quite a checkered past, which I'm sure we'll get into throughout the podcast. I am really, really happy at the moment because I've finally taken the plunge and along with my two best mates we've opened our own yoga studio in Edinburgh and so I finally feel that I'm following my true dharma as we say in yoga or my I feel like I'm on the right path and so people keep saying to me is it really scary opening a studio and the answer is no it's not because it just feels like it's exactly the right thing to do um so yeah so I I um family wise I've got two two gorgeous kids Nancy who is just about to turn 21 who's studying um in Cambridge Tom who's just about to turn 19 who has taken a different path and is a ski instructor so who's just back from Canada so yeah so um and a lovely husband as well who works part-time in Leeds ironically because that's where I'm from originally so yeah so we just we just plodding along and feeling very grateful about how things have turned out actually Mm. and you're right we're going to dive into that because your journey is fascinating and we although we're doing different things I definitely resonate with parts of your your, the journey you've been on we've got we've got some similarities so we'll definitely definitely dive into that in a second Angie I always ask all my guests because it fascinates Mm -hmm. me and I love change the refreshing change podcast is all about change Mm -hmm. how do you feel about change in your life what kind of role has it played how do you respond to it Gosh, it's played it's played a massive role in my life because I have I've changed careers. Um I've changed my behaviors. I've changed my outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I mean change is just a huge huge thread that seems to um run through everything. 
Um, so I don't know if you want me to speak a little bit about what I used to do. Yeah, go for it. We'll dive into that. Yeah. Um, so when I was really, really young, the only thing I wanted to do was be a teacher. And I used to line up all my cuddly toys and, and teach them when I was really small. And so I um, studied, went to uni and became a French teacher. And even that in itself was kind of always changing and always evolving because you go from just being a regular classroom teacher to um, having more responsibilities. And I, um, I kind of used to struggle with change at that age because I always had that imposter syndrome where I used to think gosh you know should I really be doing this should I really be in front of all these like teenagers teaching them French um and change happened quite organically in a sense that I moved from job to job and the biggest change at that time in my life was that I went to live in Sri Lanka for three years Oh, nice. Yeah, so after a bit of a messy breakup, as these things usually tend to be, I went off on my own to Sri Lanka in 1996, having been teaching for quite a few years at that point. So that was a massive change, and I just look back on it so fondly because I just had an absolute blast there um so I was teaching French in an international school and that's where I met my husband Francis and so everybody was very excited that I'd met um met someone and he is also from Yorkshire which was quite funny everybody thought I'd met um somebody from somewhere more interesting but no it was from Yorkshire and um, so yeah so that so I, I loved that I loved living abroad I loved the change of culture the different weather the people absolutely loved it out there and then came back um to um England and went back to my parents for a bit but Fran and I um, stuck together and we bought a house and we just, we're just living the dream really. We were kind of childless at that time and had quite a bit of disposable income. So we were just living our best life. Mm. Um, and then, and then things started to go downhill a wee bit. I don't know how much, I don't know what, in what order you want me to talk about how things kind of progress you go for whatever feels right for you and you go for it I don't want to feel like I'm I know it's a two-way conversation I don't want to I don't want to feel like I'm dominating the conversation no go for it I'll uh, I'll interject when we need to oh yeah I find do, it fascinating do, I love I love this because I know people obviously before they come on the podcast but I love yeah. I didn't know you were in Sri Lanka for three years like I'll, you find out so much more about people so yeah you, I'm, I know I'm loving it. Carry on, carry on. Oh, so, yes, yeah, so that was, um, 
and when you've been through such a big experience and such a big change like that coming back to what I'd always known I found quite difficult and to cut a very very long story short we Fran and I got married and we had Nancy and Tom and I'd always always been a party animal mm. and I was always the last one to leave I was always the person who drank the most and I found the changes that occurred in my body and in my kind of mentally after having kids it just really floored me mm. and because I thought I, I don't even know if I'm capable of looking after myself and now I've got these two tiny children who were born quite close together. And we we moved up to Scotland at that point when the kids were tiny, tiny. And so I went from this kind of really quite safe environment where my parents lived just down the road. Mm -hmm. I was teaching in a really nice school in Bradford and everything felt really safe and familiar. Mm, yeah. And then we moved up here because of Fran's job and straight away I started drinking in a way that was not healthy because mm. it was I was using it to um, cover up the fact that I didn't know anybody, that I wasn't coping very well with having small children and that I was really feeling like I was unsure of what my path was at that point. Mm. And that just continued for quite quite a number of years um, until I was, you know, like a full-on alcoholic and had to give up my job teaching, mm. teaching French. I was teaching up in Edinburgh at that point. And I was definitely what you'd call a functioning alcoholic because mm. I was still going and teach, but it's it was getting to the point where that was just not feasible. That, that was not going to be, I wasn't going to be able to sustain that behaviour. Yeah. And so I, 13 years ago now, I came to this literal crossroads in my life I was stood in town and I had gone there to go to a, an AA meeting, my first ever AA meeting. And I arrived at this crossroads by the Royal Mile. Mm. And on one side there was, I might get emotional when I talk about this because I always do, sorry. Okay. On one side there was, there was a pub and on the other side was the Quaker House for the AA meeting and I literally stood at the crossroads and I was so conflicted but I knew I really knew that I had to something had to change mm. something had to change otherwise well goodness knows really and so I turned to go to the AA meeting which was the best thing I've ever done mm. um, and it just felt like this huge relief to know that um, there were other people 
like me and it was a women's only meeting which was great so I felt really safe and that's when I really started to look deeply at who I was and what I stood for and what I wanted going forwards um so that's when I I'd always practiced yoga on and off over the previous years obviously mm. and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna just get right into my yoga and so yoga became my medicine ashtanga mm. yoga in particular repetitive sequence it's always the same sequence and it's like going into this lovely trance-like state where you can just quieten your monkey mind um so yeah so that's that's when I got really really into day a daily yoga practice amazing thank you for sharing that Angie because I knew some of that like I said but I, didn't, yeah. I suppose I didn't know the whole story and what like you say what order it came in and what prompted which bit of yes. change yeah um, but I love that I suppose the analogy of being at the crossroads and having the yeah yeah having that kind of thought which I think mm -hmm. a lot of people sometimes it doesn't happen for people until we're in that real deep dark almost yeah. despair type absolutely absolutely type when place. you you know we, we talk about being at rock bottom, bottom. yeah and you know that's why I never dismiss those years and those experiences mm. because I really wouldn't be where I am now mm. without it mm. so yeah yeah you've almost answered because a, a lot of people say when you go through something hard in life you know I've heard mm. it on other podcasts people say things like you know if you had an eraser or a delete button would you delete all yeah. that whether it's the rock bottom, the trauma, the turmoil yeah. that you've experienced. And often people's answer, and I don't want to answer on your behalf, so feel free to share after, but often yeah. a lot of people answer saying, no, because it's got me to where I am today and all the goodness that's come out of it. Absolutely. Wouldn't have happened if we hadn't hit um, rock bottom. Would you yeah. have the same sort of feeling? Absolutely, 100%. I... Um, yeah, I felt like it. I felt like it took that to really make me stop and look really deeply inside. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that you know everything's hunky dory these days because it's not. If you've suffered with mental illness, you know I had suffered with depression as well as addiction, um, and there's always a tendency for that behavior to kind of surface mm -hmm. um so yeah it's just finding a way to really soothe yourself without the the booze or the drugs or whatever it is for you and that is for me today and um, it's an ongoing practice mm. and so that's my kind of daily work is to be really honest really honest at the end of every day I ask myself have I been authentic in my behavior and in my actions and words today and if I haven't been it, I can feel it weighs on me I feel this knot in my stomach 
um and so i so i know um i know what to do and just to be really open mm. amazing what you've described there is the it's such a powerful question have i been authentic today but yeah. almost the and i presume you've done all this work and it's things that i'm really passionate about with the refreshing mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. in my framework i've created the first pillar is all about truly getting to know who you are and mm. to live authentically we have to do the work to figure out who you know what lights our soul on fire what are our values what are our you know our, yeah. what are our morals what are our behaviors what are our mm-hmm. you know what are, what life experiences have shaped who we are today um yes. and then the second pillar is all about what going after what you deeply desire and understanding mm-hmm. what mm. truly lights me up and what am I just doing out of kind of yes habit or circumstance yeah, and I think that's what came about after, obviously, I I got sober. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it was it's not easy, bloody hard work. But I I mm-hmm. got sober, and then I realised that actually I still loved teaching. I'd always been a teacher mm-hmm. since teaching my teddies at like the age of five, mm-hmm. but I, but I still wanted to carry on being a teacher. And so I combined the yoga and the fact that I wanted to be a teacher and trained as a yoga teacher. And when I when I trained as a yoga teacher, there there weren't that many people training to be yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. It was it was much less common than it is nowadays, which which was a good thing because then you know I managed to build up um, over the years some lovely lovely regular students um so yeah so the it set me on the right path Mm. and you're dead right this idea of really um looking inward so in yoga we talk about spadhyaya which is self-study and there are these three aspects in the yoga sutras that i find absolutely fascinating and I think about them every day and they're what drive me forward and they are first of all this idea of tapas which means that you have to be quite disciplined and you sometimes have to get out of your comfort zone the second aspect is svadhyaya self-study so you have to really go inwards and just be honest and then the third one ishvara pranidhana means a complete surrender to the stuff that you've got no control over Mm. and I'll just finish that by saying what I love about that is it's just reminds me of the serenity prayer which of course you say at the end of all Alcoholics Anonymous meetings that um give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference and so that is my kind of little blueprint mm. for living and yeah. you can apply it to everything <laughs> yeah I love that a lot I'm gonna come back I'm gonna circle back because there's some stuff in there I want to dive into yeah um, sure. but I want to touch on the on the teaching thing because it's interesting mm-hmm. I, I have a similar thing where mm-hmm. when I was younger it wasn't Teddy's that I was teaching <laughs> but my um I remember, you know, that question that everyone says, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. I always said I wanted to be a doctor. 
oh blows my mind to kind of help people and fix Mm -hmm. them yeah Mm -hmm. and I think that was the it's interesting and I I think this shows up for a lot of people in what we desire because we I see it quite a lot either with clients or people I'm talking to we can go after something because we think that's what we want Mm. but the why we want it's really important so it wasn't actually that I you know 16 year old Nicola thought she wanted to be an A&E consultant like that's what all all my education and schooling was I know can you actually (laughs) imagine um that was not I was never destined to be a doctor but Mm. the root of why I wanted to do it was because I wanted to help people and I feel really fulfilled and blessed I get to do that from a coaching Mm. point of view so Mm. it's similar that you've obviously innately got the teaching skill and the you know yeah and I just think it's that I just think it's the connection to Mm. other people yeah and just that and I always like as a teacher and you'll feel like this as well you know you you teach people something but it's but you're the one who's constantly learning at the same Mm. time Mm -hmm. so it's not like oh listen to me I know all the stuff Mm -hmm. it's it's this it's this two-way process but I think it's just I just love that idea of really connecting to people and making people feel a little bit better about themselves Mm. um and it took me a long time to be able to kind of turn that in on myself and and do the same for me rather than just wanting it to be for other people all the time yeah and and you said about what's the word earlier I actually heard it on a Jay Shetty podcast dharma you said yeah what does dharma mean because it's a so your dharma is your it's it's kind of the your true path Mm. so the 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 authentic way for you to be living Mm. and um I always when I was in AA um my sponsor always used to say to me just do the next right thing and at first I was like what what do you mean do the next right thing and then through yoga um I realized that this was something that Gandhi used to teach as well just to do the next right thing Mm -hmm. and I, I I actually love that saying now because it's you know in your heart and in your gut what the next right thing is to do and you know that and you don't always do that and if you don't you can feel it you can feel it in your being and in your demeanor but if you just do the next right thing I was once teaching um I was using that as a theme in one of my yoga classes and I said you know my sponsor told me and Gandhi used to say just do the next right thing just whatever that is just do the next right thing and somebody chirped up in the yoga class oh you know did did you did you get that from frozen and I was like no (laughs) so I I got it from Gandhi but maybe he got it from frozen who knows I think think it might be the other (laughs) way around (laughs) but yeah so you're just these little things that I've learned um as well on 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 the way and I think when you say that I love that I hadn't ever heard it phrased like that but the next right thing I often talk about with the refreshing change is if we know ourselves well enough, mm. 
we can make the right decision for us in any given moment, which is similar. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's really similar. Yeah, because it's, it's the same. same it's the same sort of vibe isn't it it's like there's no you know externally there's no such thing as right or wrong it's tapping into what is right for us it's that alignment to our dharma like to our purpose and our calling exactly what i I suppose what i believe is to get to that point there is Mm. a bit of work on going inwards like you say that self-study to then know what the right thing it's for us and I, I explain it on like a, a real day-to-day practical level like every day is different so what is right on a Wednesday you might wake up on a Thursday and it's not the right thing you want to do something else but it's leaning into yeah understanding I, yes, ourselves exactly. and our body exactly it's not this um it's not this set path mm. that's laid out one brick at a time it's in ev- in any given moment mm-hmm. what is the next right thing to do and I think by living and I don't know if, if this shows up for you as well but I, but I think by living that path you you automatically give up these feelings of shame guilt mm-hmm. uh, mm. you know because we can't be shameful and feel guilty about something if it was right in that given moment yeah I shame and guilt is a huge one for me and mm. I'm, I'm sure you uh, well I'm, I'm Hundred percent sure you're familiar with Brené Brown, and mm-hmm, um, I find her work really helpful. Yeah, and yeah, just this shame and guilt are such powerfully destroying emotions. Mm-hmm. And when I when I was drinking, and I I suffered with um, bulimia as well when I was younger, and at that same stage. And just the shame, I I literally felt like it was eating me up from the inside. Mm. And so that's why every night I'm like, have I been really honest, not just to other people, but to myself about mm. stuff. Mm. And I'm not saying like I'm a paragon of virtue. Some days I'm like, bloody hell, no, I wasn't, you know. <laughs> so, ne- you know, next day, try again. Mm. um, but yeah I just I love the idea that change is inevitable Mm -hmm. absolutely inevitable and so you have to just go with the go with it and breathe into it and yeah I I just um I, I I think, you know, I talk to my kids all the time about, you know, just going for what they feel deep in their, you know, beings as to what they really want out of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, I was saying to somebody today, actually, I remember when I went to university and all my friends were saying that their parents had told them what they had to study at uni, you know, like to kind of mm-hmm. make the most money. Yeah. So I was feeling really grateful that my mum and dad just said, God, just do, you know, just do what what floats your boat. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that. It's, And you can see it. I bet you can see it as well. I suppose in societies, people just get lost. And they yes. get lost at different stages of their life. You know, some people study the wrong course and then feel a bit lost after uni. Some people build yeah. a whole career 
and mm-hmm. get to midlife or you know their 40s 50s and then think what you know what am I doing yeah, yeah. because if not yeah. really truly tapped into their truest desire yes. I totally I totally agree and the whole thing for me about teaching mm-hmm. and it's almost like it doesn't matter what I'm teaching. It's the connections that you make through the teaching. I mean, I loved teaching French for 20 years. I absolutely loved it because I loved and still do. I love teenagers. I teach teenagers yoga these days. Um, and I think we've got, we could learn a lot from teenagers and they're kind of like just enthusiasm and not being weighed down too much by life's responsibilities yeah um so yeah I think and another aspect of change in my life recently and I don't even I don't even think you know this Nicola <laughs> is I've recently uh, my son got diagnosed with ADHD mm, okay and then we went to the appointment and the consultant said and of course it's quite often hereditary and so it comes from one of the parents and my husband looked at me and he just burst out laughing and he said well I think we both know (laughs) (laughs) which parent that might be so then so then I've been assessed as well right okay and so that I've I've had that diagnosis this year as well so that's another thing another change that I'm working with and I I don't know if this resonates with you Angie but the way I speak to people about the I don't like the word labels but you know the things we learn about ourselves if we just call them labels for example Mm -hmm. I view them as like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle it's just like oh Oh, that's it's like a penny drop. Like yeah. that, that gives me a bit of a bit of a reference point as to maybe exactly. why I behave. Exactly, it's or... a bit of context to uh-huh. your behaviour. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, because I remember um, my therapist saying, "Why, why do you need to know what what difference will it make?" And it was like because it will, it will. It's like you say, it's like a piece of the jigsaw, mm-hmm. and it it's made me be a bit kinder to myself. Mm, good. As yeah. well, not like, oh, I'm just a disorganized, lazy, <laughs> lazy person. Yeah. You know, like just having to come to terms with that has been has been really interesting, actually. Yeah, I think with um, I, I'm big on like the use of language or words or mm-hmm. definitions mm-hmm. of things, and because I think you know, success, for example, mm-hmm. how people deem success, you know, it fits probably a small percentage of the population. Mm. And if you behave in a different way or act in a different way or have different labels or different personalities, or, mm-hmm. you know, we all live a very, um, we've all got a different tapestry of what our life looks yes, like, which informs exactly. in who we are. So yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad it's allowed you to be kinder to yourself because what I, what I yeah. find is the kind of toxic side of labels mm-hmm. is that people mm-hmm. then uh, sometimes can surrender into that and use it as a bit of an excuse rather than... Yes. Totally. rather than empowering them to go with yeah. that new self-awareness I, to say you know I'm going to go live my life and I've now got this awareness of why I am the way I I ask yeah. myself that question all the time why am I the way I am it fascinates yeah. me it fascinates yeah absolutely me. no it is it's, I mean gosh it, that's like one of the most important questions mm. in, in life isn't it yeah it's like you know but why 
nature nurture mm-hmm. um so yeah so it, for me it's just been a positive thing because I have been a lot kinder to myself yeah good um but I do I do go tell my teenage son not to use it as an excuse mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it if I think if you do that it like disempowers the individual doesn't it where yeah. you want to you know yeah. there's that belief of and a bit like you've been saying to the kids like you know feel into what you want to do it, it mm. anything's possible in life so as soon as mm. you put some of those labels and barriers it disempowers you to go after yes. what you really want but actually totally. get and it's so true. about how to make it happen it's so true what you were saying about uh, success in inverted commas being it's such a subjective idea mm-hmm. and um that's why this idea of change and the way you express it is so amazing because success could be you could it could be viewed as something external family material um possessions but equally some internal change that goes on Mm. um so yeah so I think to view it as a really positive thing is brilliant and you know what I'm not gonna say oh success to me you know is purely um having a joyful heart because you know you have to put food on the table and you have to um pay the bills but I think yeah I think we've just got to accept and that's what you were saying we've got to accept that we're all viewing success and life in general from a completely different perspective and just give each other a bit of a break maybe <laughs> and that's the thing none of no one's right or wrong as long as yeah are doing what's right for them that's the bit I think that I'm passionate about is, yeah yeah exactly. into that. success equally or success equates to living like you said your authentic self have I been my authentic yeah. self today yeah that's success do you know like exactly yeah and it unfolds and there's layers to it and all that sort of stuff but yeah and I want to circle back briefly Mm -hmm. to the to the yoga stuff so because there's definitely been a massive surge in I suppose popularity of yoga which is amazing but I do Mm. think it's still probably by mainstream is perceived as kind of like an exercise movement type Mm. of activity but you touched on breathing earlier you touched on those three aspects of what yoga is mm. and how I suppose how fundamental it's been in your journey yeah talk to me about like what are the I suppose elements or aspects of yoga and I suppose why is it so good for people so I think most people myself included will come to yoga and begin with the physical practice, the asana practice. Mm-hmm. So doing the poses. And if you keep coming long enough, then this, this magic starts to happen. And one day you maybe take a step back and look at yourself and think, oh, actually, I was a little bit more patient in that situation. Or I gave myself a bit of a break in this situation. And so people see this kind of shift happening um, because of the practice. And then people become more interested in it. And the brilliant thing about yoga these days is that there is all this scientific um, research and proof that 
by changing the breathing patterns, you can bring about this physiological change. Mm. And so if people are a bit resistant to yoga and say, oh, you know, it's all a bit woo-woo for my liking, then these days we can say, but actually, physiologically, by breathing in this way, you are tapping into your rest and digest part of your nervous system. And so you're giving yourself a break from that constant, constant release of cortisol, which keeps us in this stress mode constantly so yeah so people who are a bit skeptical and you can be like well actually it's scientifically proven and also I just think it's um it's a reminder that it's good to take time out and to maybe be quiet for a while everything's so noisy Mm -hmm. yeah but it's nice to just be quiet for a bit and whether you practice power yoga or yin yoga or gentle yoga the the physicality is different in all of those yogas Mm -hmm. but the actual intention behind all of the practices is the same it's to quieten the mind to peel away the layers that have built up over the years that kind of mask our authentic self and the more you practice, the more you meditate and breathe, then you're kind of clearing away these these layers that have built up over the years. Amazing. So I think that, that, that's that's why. I mean, I think like every single person should be forced to do yoga. <laughs> life life rule one oh one, do do more yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you can, you're right. You can, you can do yoga. You don't you don't have to be on a mat to do your yoga you can be walking down the road and maybe smiling at someone else seeing someone else in trouble noticing their pain taking note of the flowers the trees and just focusing on the breath and that that that's all yoga mm. you know you don't have to put your legs behind your head thank goodness because I can't <laughs> I think you're right I think it is a massive um one of the massive advantages is that taking time for for yourself. And I think so many people, I'm going to stereotype, but Mm. probably women more so, put themselves at the bottom of the priority list. And I think if you can Mm -hmm. find, you know, whether it's an hour a week or, you know, you're Mm -hmm. doing it a couple of times a week, Mm. it's it's probably one of the only times where, maybe that in the cinema, where you're like Mm -hmm. not not checking your phone, totally disconnected from the outside world, because even exactly. in the gym, even if I'm at the gym yeah. doing other forms of exercise, I'm still on my phone. I'm still exactly, you know, yeah. So I think yeah, and that real disconnection. Um, I mean, it seems like a good time to mention the the new yoga studio. Yeah, because, absolutely. Um, so Lily Yoga in Brunsfield, we really you can go to various yoga studios in in Edinburgh, and I've taught for many of them, and they're they're all great, and they've all got different things to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, what we really wanted to create was a real sense of community mm. um, because community and working together that's what brings about change ultimately mm-hmm. and so we're really lucky to be working with Edinburgh Community Yoga you know we've got loads of different things but yeah it's this idea of us 
if we're if we all work together we can bring about these these highly needed changes mm. um so yeah so that's that's our kind of mission statement if you like is to build community and kind of all move forward together yeah amazing and like you've mentioned not only does that bring about change but it's needed more now than ever mm. with the way society I believe the way yes. society is going to yeah. bring a human connection community mm. supporting mm. one another like yeah and it's and beautiful. I, I know it can sound you know people can think like oh you know I've heard it all before mm. but actually if you really commit to that kind of behavior and you commit to even just connecting to one other person throughout your day mm -hmm. then it's physically and mentally it's so beneficial mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i keep seeing recently and I've, i had seen it before but the you maybe know the number i can't remember but the number of hugs we need for our own oh, and I don't, I don't yeah. know why, but you know, sometimes when you see it once, you start yeah. seeing it everywhere. I saw it online yeah. about you know, four hugs is maintenance, and then yes, eight hugs is good, or yeah. yeah, and then twelve is like growth, you know, because we need yeah. the human human yeah. connection. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that is amazing. And you were saying just before we got on and recorded about in terms of the types of, uh, classes you do at the studio, but also I suppose the. I don't know if this is your ta like a tagline but almost yoga for everyone do you know everyone's no, welcome literally and... that's our hashtag right i love <laughs> I mean, that there's there's it's um like we literally don't want there to be any single person who feels they can't come to our yoga studio mm. you know it's just we've got yeah I, i'm not I don't, it's not i'm not advertising the studio but i just feel this whole i mean yoga means union that's what that's what it mm. means mm. um so and sometimes yeah, so, oh, no, no, you go. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say, um obviously the, the one of the teachings of yoga is that the world around us, almost everything is in a real constant state of flux and change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so yoga is amazing at helping you to understand your connection to all that change and what's going on around you mm. yeah and I think like lots of things that have a massive upsurge in popularity like sometimes things can be quite trendy or on trend you know yeah like yeah and then the then the practice itself then I think good and bad can get labeled mm -hmm. in a certain way but mm -hmm. I think that's really beautiful about that yoga for all mm -hmm. because it's, I think sometimes the idea of yoga people have is you know skinny white girls and Lululemon yes. and yeah you know, exactly being able to do every single pose and yeah, you know, oh, yeah like you so... said get their hit like oh, yeah, their head I so I think that you know inclus inclusion of yeah. doesn't matter what age or stage or your background yeah. or and actually, it doesn't matter yeah. about any of that because it's about your own practice. It's part of that self-discovery, isn't it? Do you know what I did recently that I that I really felt was life-changing? And I don't know if you've tried it, but there's a 
there's um, a wonderful teacher called Bex in Edinburgh and they run this thing called Project Bliss. Okay. And if ever you get a chance to go, honestly, it's amazing. It's like it's yoga to begin with and then everybody gets a headset and the room's quite dark and it's it's basically a silent disco but you just you can just go for it and it's absolutely amazing and i actually i'm going to go every month because i i was crying my eyes out at the end of it so something had obviously shifted and released mm. like in my body yeah um so yeah so things like that if somebody had said to me you know, even two years ago, oh, you know, you'll go and do a euphoric dance silent disco. I'd have just like laughed in their face. But it's like, no, actually, I'm open to that. And it was mm. it was amazing. Yeah, and I suppose it's that, I like that you touched on that, because I think for a lot of people, the kind of practice of yoga for a, from a movement, moving your mm. body, it, mm. that can sometimes be the gateway into this journey mm. of self-discovery. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. But absolutely. you don't, but I think people like need to understand and realize that you don't have to dive right in you no. know like into no. the extreme and I would be the same on sort of my own um personal growth journey like the stuff mm. I'm doing now which I find fascinating as learning but also my own looking at myself around mm. trauma and life like childhood experiences and I've tried hypnotherapy and you yeah. know if you'd said to me five years ago I would have not been like I, it wasn't the right time for me but the stuff I'm working on now with my own coach absolutely mm. and it's been an absolute game mm. changer so I think as yeah. you go along your journey just yeah to start with and it'll evolve in the way that it needs to and the, the way that you need it to exactly that's so true if you like with anything if you if you need to come to a yoga practice once a week and stretch your body mm. brilliant maybe you start to feel a bit more of a connection between mind and body and so mm. yeah so so change big or small mm. is you know is possible th through yoga um and and I you know I just bang on about it so much because it's just been so helpful to me mm. um yeah yeah I, I can't imagine a world without yoga yeah <laughs> And that's, I think that's when you get to the point, and you've maybe got to this point years ago, Andy, when you fully embody something and it just becomes, mm -hmm. like you say, like part yeah. of your, part of your, not just your daily practice, but just part of your lifestyle, isn't it? In terms of, yeah, part of your, almost part of your identity in a positive way. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, which yeah, is amazing. So we've we've chatted about loads of stuff, and thank you for sharing so open and honestly oh, about yeah, your about your list. journey. What would your like if there's people listening that maybe haven't ever experienced mm -hmm. yoga? What mm -hmm. would be your kind of top tips or some of that kind of self, uh, self inquiry, self discovery journey? Mm -hmm. Like, what would be your top tips for kind of getting started? So I think one of the main things that yoga can teach us is this idea of what, um, and I'm sure again you know, um, this is is interoception and it's this mm -hmm. going inwards. And really being able to detect what is going on inside you. So at the beginning of all my classes, I say, take a big scan. Do you, have you got any hunger pangs? Have you got any tingles? Because there's quite a lot of dissociation at, um, these days between um, the mind and the body. 
and so that's really beneficial and if anybody's just starting out and they're nervous I mean obviously I'm going to say come to Lila Yoga but if you just find a beginner's this they are everywhere just beginner's classes and you oh my gosh if I had a fiver for every time somebody said I'm not flexible enough to do yoga oh my gosh I would be so rich mm-hmm. it doesn't matter it really mm-hmm. doesn't matter how flexible you are flexible in the mind that will come if, that will come mm-hmm. flexibility in the body may come it may not but it's just just give it a go and if you're nervous if you're really nervous about going somewhere, just phone up beforehand, maybe go and have a little visit. And so you know where you're going and what you're going for. Um, but yeah, if it's if it's real yoga, um, it should you should feel so welcomed and you should feel so at home there. Um, and you should always be told or reminded that it's your practice and you do it in your own way. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful reminder, actually. And um, I've been to many classes and I've been taught by many different yoga teachers at different events and things. And actually, you're right. There, it is a really welcoming community, you know, so, you know, mm. just to put, put people at ease. Even take a friend along, I suppose, for the first class. If yeah. you need a bit of reassurance. Yeah, but exactly. Go and, have, go and have a bit of a laugh together mm. you know you don't have to be serious yeah the whole time yeah. I think people think that some people think that yoga is quite worthy and that you have to be serious yeah. and it's like to me even though yoga is a hugely serious thing in my life I'm not I'm not necessarily serious when I'm teaching all the time as as you know mm. um so yeah there's room for having a bit of a laugh and mm-hmm. not taking yourself um too seriously <laughs> yeah definitely and I think that's the thing with anything I I harp on about like lots of practices that help with our well-being mm. but people need to find what works for them if ice baths aren't your thing don't do them if you know yes yeah, if yeah totally meditating with your legs crosses your thing crack on but if it's outdoors mm. having a walk in nature do that but <laughs> So it's having the it's having the patience not just to figure out what the thing is, but if you think mm. yoga's my thing, then yeah. have the the not patience, but figure out where where you fit best. Yeah. Like which teacher do you relate to better? Yeah. Which type of Everybody, yoga? Yeah. Try out a few different teachers, try out a few different styles. You won't probably find your favorite teacher and your favorite style the first time. So you just mm-hmm. keep trying. But I that's so true what you were saying about um that meditation and mindfulness are such huge kind of buzzwords at the moment and luckily people are starting to realize that sitting cross-legged on the floor is not the only way to meditate and since I was diagnosed with ADHD obviously I now realize why (laughs) why that was just never happening whereas if I can go for a long walk with Mm. my dog or Mm -hmm. in a forest or by the sea I feel this sense of release and respite yeah amazing and even the word you used the word earlier trance when you're doing Mm. your yoga practice you get into that state of flow and trance and yeah like the outside world doesn't matter like that it's just coming into the present moment isn't it yeah sometimes the state of flow yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, Angie, amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank and you. It's been great to chat open to Open and you. honest shares. That's been, um, yeah, really insightful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so that next week you can join us again.